Hi, everyone. I'm Tish Conlin. Here's another episode of Tish Talk. Today, I have um, a professional from the U.S. His name's Sean Kaufman. He's the CEO and founding partner of Safer Behaviors. Um, and we'll dive into what that means and what uh, amazing work he's doing. Uh, prior to that, he was Director of Science and Safety at Emory University. He's trained professionals in, in, in dangerous labs uh, for many, many years. Um, so he can talk to that. Everyone's wondering um, you know, what that means and trying to get an inside uh, understanding of some of these uh, bio labs. Um, Sean also served in the Office of Terrorism Preparedness and Emergencies um, Response at CDC in Atlanta. And we're going to talk about what's going on with the CDC from his perspective, what he sees. He wrote a book, Prepare and Protect Safer Behaviors in Laboratories and Clinical Settings. He's won numerous awards. Uh, just what an impressive bio. Uh, founder of the Leadership Institute for Biosafety Professionals. And he's been involved in a lot of the last emergency responses over the years, including SARS, anthrax, and the September 11th terrorist attack. Um, so what an honor to have him. And he's also got multiple degrees and certifications in public health. So welcome, Sean. You're where are you based in the U.S., Georgia or? Yeah, thank you, Tish. Yeah, we're here in the uh, the Peach State in Georgia, and uh, we reside uh, just outside of Atlanta, so about 30 miles north of Atlanta, a small town called Woodstock. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I've never, I have been traveling throughout the U.S. over the last number of years, and it's got gorgeous, gorgeous landscapes, so I haven't made it to Georgia yet, but it's on my list. Um, so let's dive right into a question that so many people want answered. Um, people are are just racking their brains. What is going on with CDC? Is it corruption? Um, are they being paid off? Why can't they see the clear adverse event data? on these shots and other, um, particularly if we talk about COVID, what's going on with the CDC from your perspective, Sean, and, and have you been able to reach them? Well, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, it used to back uh, many years ago, back when I, when I worked there many years ago, um, it used to be an oasis from Washington, DC. And, and let me explain what that means. Uh, public health is for the public, and what that means is the primary goal of public health is to give people information uh, in an easy-to-understand manner and then empower people to make decisions that are best for themselves and their families, meaning there's not a generic public health solution. Uh, it's, it's basically individualized, and the role of public health is to, uh, to ensure that people have the information they need to make good decisions for themselves. Several years ago, public health or the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention became more like uh, Washington, D.C., and that's what I was saying it was an oasis. It was, it was something far away from D.C. that really did not include politics in the public health decisions for the United States. And prior to September 11th, it was like that. Now, when September 11th happened and the anthrax uh, attacks happened, CDC had a substantial amount of uh, persuasion or, you know, they could influence what would happen in the general communities across the United States. So in my opinion, after September 11th, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention became more of a political uh, um, influence, meaning the, the president of the United States would pick the director of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention 
And of course, the CDC director would not go against the political narrative. And so I think what you see with CDC is you see outstanding employees, people who are well-trained in public health with great hearts and great intentions. But I think you see absolutely compromised, completely compromised leadership that follows political narratives and does not, does not follow what we believe or what I believe to be the best public health strategies for dealing not only with COVID, but as you've mentioned, the I'm not even giving it a, a, the title of a vaccine. It doesn't even deserve the title no. of a vaccine. It is an injection. Uh, it is gene therapy, very clear in my opinion. And it is not, nor will it ever, in my opinion, meet the definition of vaccine. And that means if you choose to change the definition of a vaccine, it may fit for that change that you make. But I am a sole believer that vaccines are made for people. People are not made for vaccines. And so I'm sorry, uh, you don't change the definition of vaccine to make something fit its term. Uh, this is an injection. It's an injection that has caused millions of injuries that have been completely ignored and, and in my opinion, does not deserve the title of vaccine. Well, yes, thank you so much for clarifying that. And I think we agree that it, it, it's um, potentially the most unsafe drug in human history ever introduced. I don't know if fentanyl or any of these lethal, these uh, uh, illegal illicit drugs uh, would make it. But, you know, the data is, is in overwhelming at this point and CDC is ignoring it. So, I mean, delving deeper because you say there's a lot of good people. Are they just not getting the data? Are they um, kind of brainwashed along this narrative? Um, what is the gap? Because I know even people like uh, Stephen Kirsch has tried uh, many, many times to reach the CDC to discuss the data and it's being ignored. So is this not like gross negligence and incompetence or worse? I mean, why are they not entertaining the real data? Tish, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is very hard to, uh, to deal with because it's a human risk factor. I mean, we saw it during the Holocaust. Uh, good people uh, with great intentions uh, watching millions of Jews get killed or murdered. And it, it wasn't that they were watching it or observing it. It was the fact that they were more concerned with their own personal comfort and what they stand to lose uh, than they were about the truth. And, and so when you look at these good people, you know, very competent individuals, and don't get me wrong, behind the scenes, I have been supported by many, as you have. I'm sure you've been contacted by people behind the scenes that say, I can't say much where I'm at, but I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. Um, these are individuals that, in, in my opinion, and I appreciate their support, but in my opinion, uh, can't afford for one reason or another, whether it be insurance or salary or house or whatever, they can't afford to lose what they have uh, for the sake of resisting or fighting against a narrative that is not only compromised, but corrupt and, and inaccurate and, 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 in my opinion, even evil. Um, and, and so it's, it's, very, it's very difficult, in my opinion, Tish, to mm -hmm. attack human beings for being human. They're being human, and not all of us are in a position spiritually or even fiscally or even from a work standpoint to be able to speak um, truth and, and go against this narrative. I mean, you and I have paid a price for it. Uh, I know that. And uh, so have others who have stood up to this false narrative, and I'm, I'm sure we will continue uh, to pay a price for it as well. 
Well, thank you for saying that. And it's something I've talked to many people about because, um, you know, the more that it gets uh, carried out, the, the, each step that they take, the more I say people can't afford not to speak out because at some point, um, you know, it'll get to the point it gets harder and harder to push back. Um, now things aren't in place, but, you know, let's move into the fact that despite an overwhelming no from the whole continent of Africa, the WHO and some of these other uh, complicit organizations are going ahead trying to implement a global health passport, which would which would really um, be like a, effectively a communist style prison. You can't travel, can't leave your country and God knows what else unless you take injections. Um, I'm confident, I feel very confident that it won't go through based on the numbers of people who are rejecting boosters. Here in Canada, I just read an article that uh, over a billion dollars worth of these injections are, are going to be wasted. And I, you know, so that's something to be celebrated. And I think similar in the US and other countries. But what's your view on them trying to move forward to this uh, next step and ram it down our throats. Uh, is it something they can do unilaterally? Um, and how do we fight back, if you have any ideas? Well, they, they simply, they can't do it. And they can certainly try. Uh, and, uh, and again, the word uh, no is a very powerful word. No, uh, I'm not doing it. The answer is no. Do what you have to do, but the answer is no. Now, Look, and I know we've talked about this as well. I have to continue to 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 acknowledge that I, as an individual, am very blessed. I, I am. I'm not only have I been very blessed with, as you mentioned in the opening, uh, substantial experience, uh, wonderful experiences uh, from around the world in public health and infectious disease. I've been blessed with knowledge and wisdom, uh, knowledge and wisdom enough to know that what is happening right now is dead wrong. What is happening right now is irresponsible. But there's also an advantage to me as well. In addition to working for myself, which has taken a substantial hit going against this narrative, I also know that my life here on earth is temporary. Uh, my focus is on eternity. And I am spiritually bound. I am faithful. And that means that I am called by a higher source, a God, to ensure that when I know in my heart, in my heart, that what is being asked and done is wrong and evil, and it is. Yes. In my opinion, when you deceive people and you hold information back and you take control of their lives, in my opinion, that is evil. And so I am compelled by who I am as a person to say no. And I am and and not only that, I am compelled as a person to say no for people who can't say no for themselves. Maybe they're not in a position to say no right now. So I'll stand up and I'll take the weight and I'll take the burden and I'll take uh, uh, the pain for them, and I will say what is happening is no. And this global passport idea, oh, wow, um, no. And that's the reality of it, no. I simply will not comply with a global passport. That information and that level of control is simply unacceptable, in my opinion, for global travel. Do, do you think now that the Republicans are in the House that they'll be able to push back effectively against this? I know 
Um, I was quite uh, impressed with Senator Ron Johnson, who was trying to bring to light all of the data about the injuries of the shot. Um, there hasn't been a lot of them that I've been able to see in the U.S. I know Carrie Lake mentioned the data as well, and now there's a big legal fight about um, in Arizona for, um, uh, I'm not sure what's happening there, but do you think uh, overall the, the, that that will help to push back against this uh, this, uh, this really dark agenda leading to Agenda 2030? I am, I am, um, I'm not hopeful. And, and, I, and I will be honest with you, I'm not hopeful for a variety of reasons because public health is not a political issue. I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, right. Freedom, Karen. I, I, I could care less what political right. party you are. If you look at this situation and say that something is right with this situation, then something is wrong with you. Yes. You've got some type of uh, of 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 problem, uh, whether it be a lack of empathy, whether it be a lack of common sense to interpret information. It doesn't matter to me what political party you are. Right. When you take uh, responsibility for someone else's life and you demand that they do what you want them to do, and if they don't, if they don't do it, you fire them, you terminate them, you belittle them, you discriminate against them. There is something wrong with you. Okay, period. There is you've got a morality or some type of integrity issue that you need to go back into a closet, reflect on for a while and come out and see the world in a different way. This is it's ridiculous. It's not a political area. So your question about do I have hope that now that the Republicans have a little bit more power than the Democrats in this country? No, that's disappointing to have anyone in the government ever say yes. that they have the right to tell someone what to do with their body, in my opinion, is absolutely inappropriate. It's it's evil and it's simply unacceptable. I, I couldn't agree more. And I've been, I guess, the word disgusted with uh, all of the parties here in Canada. I don't know how much uh, how many times I've connected with you know, both conservatives and, and, and liberals and everybody else trying to uh, raise attention to this. And here in Canada, I don't know, it's gone off the rails. You know, we're allowed to inject babies with this stuff um, and other other really evil things going on here with um, all of the, the death laws. I call it a death cult here in Canada. It's, you know, it's really gone uh, to the point you're right. It's it's beyond political, but um, if there are people with integrity and in politics that can uh, look at these things from a, a you know a, a public a real true public health standpoint, we we could have we could stop this, but sadly there's not now. Um, you know, so and, 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 and yeah, I, I have to I have to say something. It, look, one of the things that that bothers me is is that. I don't believe I have the, I, I have my own opinions, but I don't believe that I have the right to place my opinions on other people. And and so, listen, like you brought up injection of babies. Uh, it hurts my heart. I mean, I, I think there's enough information out there to demonstrate that there is not a risk benefit equation that would ever justify the 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 injection of babies with COVID-19 injections. I, I, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I've looked at the science. I, I've looked at the risk, and it, there, there is absolutely, uh, when you look at the balance between the risk that is assumed and the benefit that is assumed, the risk far outweighs the benefit. It's very clear from a scientific standpoint. Anybody who says otherwise is lying. They're just flat out lying to you. I don't care if they have an MD. I don't care if they're from Harvard. They're just flat out lying to you. The risk outweighs the benefit in injecting babies for COVID-19. 
by a mile. And then the other thing is, but 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 here, but but here's the deal, Tish. This is where this is where it's hard. If 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 a parent says to me, Sean, I understand where you're coming from. I completely comprehend the information, but I still want to get my child ejected. Yeah, there's nothing. I, as a public health professional, uh, I, as a public health professional, respect that decision. I will do what I can for them, and I will respect that decision. And see, that's where I think the line has been crossed. The line has been crossed in the sense that it didn't matter whether people chose to get injected. What mattered is we're going to discriminate, hate, belittle, and attack those who don't choose to get injected. And that is not public health's job. It is it is integrity issue. It's a morality issue. And by the way, it is not an issue of informed consent. If you are pressuring people to take a vaccine or an injection, that is not informed consent. Informed consent means I give you all the information and I allow for you to make the decision for yourself. Well, a couple of I mean, you said a lot of interesting things. Few few things I wanted to touch on is you are, as you mentioned earlier, far more knowledgeable on public health than a lot of people. And, you know, you've even said you've taken on this mantle of speaking for others and fighting the fight. Um, I think we need to look at this as well from a drug safety perspective instead of an uh, consent, because, you know, like in the past, unsafe drugs were simply pulled from the market. And so those people who aren't speaking out, if they did, those people in positions of power within the CDC and other organizations, if they would look at the data and stop, um, you know, living in this cowardice, this because they're they're literally complicit with you know, injuries and deaths of, of many, many people by not stopping it. So I think they have a moral and ethical duty to stop this from a safety standpoint. And people who are not educated, the word vaccine, it, it, it it's got some sort of magical aspects, you know, like a, like a spell where it's like, oh, you feel so, you just kind of like, go, oh, wonderful. So people haven't been educated properly on what is a vaccine, the safety risk benefits. And, you know, even now with uh, so-called consent, even if they say, well, I'm going to get it. They really haven't been told the side effects. You know, the insert, as we all know, is blank. Um, you know, I've even spoken with pharmacists recently and I've had to educate them. And once you educate them, they're like, oh, my goodness, I can't give any more of these shots. So people aren't getting the information because it's being censored through the big tech compliance. And so I really think it's it's the ethical duty of those in positions of power within these organizations to stop the shot. Well, I mean, the, the reality is, and you, you said a tremendous amount, here in the United States, we, we have the Department of Health and Human Services. And um, just recently, I was, uh, I was filmed in a, uh, a kind of a, a video um, that they're doing a documentary uh, on, a, on a church in California that refused to close. And they sent a production staff to come out because I had written a declaration in support of the churches remaining open during the height of the pandemic. And and by the way, just so you know, that church won. They stood oh, up uh, to the state of California and beat them. Oh, and they excellent. stayed open during the height and they were, they were able to honor God. But, here, but here's the deal. During that time, I was asked by the individual producing the film a question, and I, I had never thought about it like this. I had always thought about the Department of Health and Human Services as the individual branches. Um, the NIH, which typically looks at research, the USDA um, the, uh, that does uh, animal uh, aspects, fo- focuses on ag, OSHA, which is Occupational Health and Safety, uh, the CDC, Public Health, and then the FDA, uh, Food and Drug Safety. Okay, so 
you look at all those. And only during that interview did I realize that individually, we used to look at places like you did and what you were saying as CDC and VAERS, but let, let, our CDC and vaccine injuries. But wait, let's talk about the responsibility of all of DHHS because mm-hmm. it's Great. not just CDC yes. that, is, that is compromised. Oh, yeah. FDA is absolutely, is absolutely destroyed. That organization, in my opinion, needs to be gutted. It yes. needs to be completely redesigned. Um, it is clearly evident that it is completely compromised by Big Pharma, completely compromised yes. by Big Pharma. CDC set up the vaccine adverse event reporting system, theirs that we know about, as a result of a vaccine that killed, I think it was less than, 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 than 10 children. It killed less than 10 children, and it was obligated back in the 1990 uh, area to, to, to serve not as a, uh, hey, uh, a safety tool. That's not what VAERS was designed for. What VAERS was designed for, Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, was designed to identify and alert people to a problem. Mm-hmm. VAERS has done its job. VAERS has alerted people. Uh, over uh, 1.4 million adverse events in the last two years associated with COVID-19 vaccine. 184,000 hospitalizations, okay, uh, COVID-related hospitalizations. 32,000 COVID vaccine reported deaths. This has, a, it, 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 within the Department of Health and Human Services, a tool in the Department of Health and Human Services, which, by the way, prior to the pandemic, was assessed and determined that only about 1% of adverse events were actually reported to this, this place, 1%. And a tool that only captures adverse events 30 days following a vaccine, and we know that the adverse events are going well beyond 30 days. This tool that is already underreporting and only captures 30 days is reporting 1.4 million adverse events in the last two years. And keep this in mind, Tish, this is important. In the 32 history, the 32 years of theirs being established, 32 years of theirs being established, there is only 2.3 million adverse events. Of the complete 2.3 million adverse events, 1.4 million of those events, almost 1.5, are solely dedicated to COVID-19 vaccines. So let me let, let me let me draw this clear. Again, in 32 years of being open, 32-year history, all the vaccines, we're talking hundreds of vaccines, hundreds. In the 32 years, hundreds of vaccines, only about 900,000 adverse events were reported in 32 years. It, it, it's in the last two years. I know, it's unbelievable. Yeah, in the last two years, 1.4 million. Well, I mean, 1.4 million directly to COVID. I mean, we have an educated audience and we're all racking our brains as well. We've all tried to, as you say, you know, a lot of us, I mean, myself as a Christian as well, I felt called by God to to speak the truth. But, you know, as you say, you can only speak the truth and then people have free will. They can make their own decisions. But the information doesn't seem to be, it's very hard for it to get absorbed because of the, um, the complicity, the complicity of the the big tech, 
promoting safe and effective, safe and effective scrubbing the data, even with the, you know, died suddenly documentary, you know, and all of these big clots that they're finding, a lot of people just simply don't believe it. They believe their governments, they trust their media, they can't believe this is a real thing. They call it the conspiracy theory, uh, even with evidence. Um, and I've been told, you know, that's your beliefs, Tish. I said, no, it's based on facts. You know, I talk to people because not only are, you know, babies dying, but the record stillbirths and they call them demises because they are, it is a dehumanizing agenda. They don't even want to use like human words anymore. Um, I ran in my own neighborhood. I've had countless neighbors die suddenly. Uh, one of them after a shot got a heart attack and cancer. A, a young kid just in my neighborhood here, 16 years old, said he got four shots and then his big toe went black and literally fell off. And here's what they keep giving them. No data, still pushing it in the schools. I mean, it's evil. It is evil. And all these so, organizations it, are, are involved. It, it's clear. It's very clear. I don't, you know, again, let, let's let's take it from, from different levels. I've seen data, scientific data, that to me suggests that risk-benefit equations do not exist for injections, uh, universal injections of COVID-19, period. Okay, now, I've seen that. I, I, I have enough uh, experience to, to clearly see that. It's, it's not even debatable. It's, it's actually clearly seen. And that's, by the way, Tish, that's why you'll never see Dr. Fauci on, on your show with someone like myself, because I don't care how accomplished doctor the person is. Get somebody. You know, I'd, I'd enjoy that. Get a podcast where you talk to somebody who's willing to come and defend their position. It's indefensible, yes. uh, and yes. they will never do it with with the general public because they'll actually be they'll look like a fool. They'll absolutely look like a fool. But but let's 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 go back to my point. There is enough evidence too. If you if you if you if you you know when we say scrap it because that's what I would do. But there is at least enough evidence to say an investigation needs to take place. Absolutely. There's now, need, uh, at least enough information that says we should pause what we're doing, reflect on it a bit more for the sake of safety, and and allow us to form a committee of multiple uh, uh, perspectives, and 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 visit this and 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 until we we convene, until we we have a conclusion. Um, we should at least put a pause on it right there. There is certainly enough evidence to suggest that that is warranted at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's like basic common sense. Can you speak to Fauci? I mean, I've read some of the books. I was honored. I went to Knoxville, Tennessee, and I met Robert Kennedy Jr. We saw that uh, the real Anthony Fauci with him in person. It was wonderful. Um, but yeah, and I know many people have spoken to the level of corruption. Some people call him the the most evil person in the world you know mass murder he might be directly responsible for more deaths than even the 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 big you know horrible uh dictators of the past um how can he and i mean how can you get i mean and how, can you comment on his disposition and then what it takes to i know he's being removed but you know perpetuating this cycle if there's just another fauci going in um how to clean it up um for people who might not be as aware of, you know, what he said on that disposition. Look, the 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 system is broken. I mean, it's it's broken at FDA. It's broken at NIH. Let me let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, Dr. Fauci, uh, if you ever spoke out or against Dr. Fauci, uh, your career was over. Yeah. Um, look, funding uh, funding to scientists go out. 
uh, from NIH, and scientists are not only extremely competitive, but it, it, and it's and it is a competitive nature. But scientists love what they do so much so that they will do whatever they can to be allowed to keep doing it. Um, that's how much they believe in what they do. They love what they're doing. I, I, I'm a big believer in science. I think we need to fund science. I think we need to continue to fund science. But what we did was set up like a dictatorship uh, within the science industry where either you got along or you did not you know, get along. Or, I'm sorry, you get along, but you don't go along. If you don't do what Fauci says or agree with what Fauci wants, your career is a complete, it's, it's done, it's, it's shut down. Uh, too much power in one person. We need to kind of spread that out. We need to put controls in place to prevent this from happening again. I think it's a good idea that Dr. Fauci uh, is, uh, is leaving, uh, primarily because I don't think taxpayers should have to pay for him to be on the job uh, while he's being sued and torn down. Dr. Fauci will not have a quiet day for the rest of his life. There will no. be one lawsuit after another lawsuit after another lawsuit after another lawsuit after another lawsuit. And then when Dr. Fauci dies, he's going to meet his maker. And I'm sure there will be judgment there that takes place as well. So I'm not going to judge Dr. Fauci. I wish him all the best personally and professionally. I just don't think it's going to be a quiet retirement. And I certainly don't think that when judgment day comes, Dr. Fauci is going to be in a position that is that's going to warrant a substantial amount of comfort based on what I've seen. Um, I think that. Uh, in order for you to mend or make right what has been done wrong, it starts with acknowledging that you've done wrong and then apologizing for it. And I'm sorry, uh, I'm reading more and more every day. I've read 400 pages of Dr. Fauci's testimony. I am reading a book that, uh, that uh, clearly describes a direct link between what happened in China and what uh, the organization that was working with uh, COVID-19 or SARS coronavirus 2. And uh, and I'm sorry. The evidence is clearly there, and it's mounting. Uh, what has happened? Uh, not only did Dr. Fauci know about, uh, but Dr. Fauci pushed forward. And it is collusion. It is, in my opinion, illegal activity. It is immoral. It is. It lacks integrity. It lacks morality. Um, it lacks empathy. And uh, like I said, I do not think that Dr. Fauci is going to retire retire in a very quiet way. I think yes. he's going to be very busy in the years to come. I agree. And I'm wondering if he will be imprisoned. I mean, I've read Judy Mikovits's books about the level of corruption within the NIH and, you know, withholding certain treatments that could help people and funding dangerous treatments as well. Um, so, I mean, it's uh, it's it's pretty obvious that he's, he's he's broken a lot of laws. I wonder if he will be imprisoned at any point, held accountable uh, for his crimes. Um, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, but what's your yeah, thought? And, 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 oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead on your point with this, just to wrap up him. I wanted to ask well, about the labs after this, because you have expertise in these bio labs. Absolutely. In, in all fairness, and, and, and I have to be, you know, I want, I want to be balanced uh, yes. and fair uh, with Dr. Fauci. I don't want to be either or. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, I, I'm on public record as stating that Dr. Fauci was and has been a public health champion of mine for many years, and he was. Um, and this is kind of where I want to get to the uh, ignorance is bliss statement, because, uh, you know, I'm almost 50 years old, Tish, and I never felt ignorance is bliss in my soul until this event happened. And, and what, what do I mean by that? I, I actually prayed several times that, you know, I never knew this concept of wisdom being a burden. Um, I wish that I didn't know what I know. 
I wish that I, I didn't have the experiences that I had. I really do, because it would have been far greater or far better for my health, mental health, to go yes. through this event ignorant than in the state that I currently am, because it's been a living hell for two and a half years. Well, believe it's been me, like living in a twilight zone. I agree. It, it, it's like a twilight zone. Yes, and, I agree. And it's so like do- stepping into a Dr. Fauci, yeah, yeah, Dr. Fauci. Um, has really disappointed me, and 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 this is this is how how blind I am. Dr. Fauci, only when this started happening, and I looked at what was happening, and I said something's wrong here, mm-hmm. and it allowed for me to think for myself, and I started researching things, and then I started researching Dr. Fauci, and it was like, listen, for all of these years, I have 27 years in public health. Honestly, 24 of them was were under the impression that Dr. Fauci was true, truly a public health champion. 24 oh, wow. years of that. Yeah, wow. I know. I know, Tish. And, 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 and so all of a sudden, looking at you know, Robert Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, reading the past, hearing more about it, it, it basically it was really weird. I lived in ignorance. I lived in ignorance until I was woken up. And and the sad part is that if that can happen to me with Dr. Fauci, and it did, it can happen with everybody with the COVID injection. They hear one side. They only stay true to that one side. And if nothing seems to be wrong, they have no reason to challenge their beliefs on that one side. I had no reason to believe Dr. Fauci was anything other than a public health champion. Let me explain why. Yeah. I was in love with HIV and AIDS. I fell in love with people who were dying alone. They had AIDS. They were dying alone. The stigma was so brutal. It was so ugly. Dr. Fauci was the one that told the politicians to keep AIDS out of politics, meaning he saw that the Democrat and Republican Party was using AIDS as a weapon against each other. And he actually said that was not right. It wasn't ethical. It wasn't moral. And that's why I fell in love with him first was during those days. You need to read Judy Mikovich's book about I, that because I, he withheld I, treatments. I, um, it's pretty listen, damning material. Listen, I think you'd Tish, find that interesting. Tish, Tish, my, my father's a foster child. Tish, my father's a foster child. Yeah. And 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 so I know what what happened with foster kids. Listen, I I, I am awakened now with 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 Dr. Fauci. I'm just telling you. When I was ignorant of things, yes. that's what I saw Dr. Fauci oh. do. And in and in 2014. When the CDC director, Dr. Tom Frieden, really, really was messing up, and he messed up substantially, Dr. Fauci came in, and he basically normalized uh, Ebola with the, with the first responders that were coming back, like me. I was a first responder that time. And he basically said, these individuals are heroes. They shouldn't be treated as prisoners and captured and put in camps. They're heroes. And so Dr. Fauci did that as well. So like I said, Tish, prior yes. to COVID, I only looked for the good in Dr. Fauci. When right. all of a sudden Dr. Fauci started saying things that were wrong, and I knew they were wrong, I was like, wait, 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 wait hold on one sec. That's not what he said before, before he acknowledged natural immunity, before he, he believed yes. masks were trash. Why all of a sudden is he changing? Only when I could think for myself and started looking at the complete picture did I become aware of some of the issues that were going on. Right. So right. I am fully no. aware now. I am fully aware. <laughs> and I'm glad that Dr. Fauci is running off, riding off into the sunset. I think it's his time. But Good. I, again, do not think it's going to be a very peaceful ride. Well, I think it's going to be one hell of a, a turbulent one. 
Yeah, and it's 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 interesting for the listeners that you clarified that this man who's deep knowledge in health, and yet you know you really didn't uh, see the corruption yourself, and that's probably the goodness in yeah. you. And there probably are many people like that because we're all struggling with why aren't people doing something about this? Um, and even you know, I just anecdotally I went uh, to for a quick trip to Mexico with my oldest son, which was incredible. And I understand what you mean about ignorance is bliss. I spent time with people who are just totally unaware of this agenda and they're just so happy. And it's it's sometimes it's a nice rest to be with them because they have no idea. One a nice gentleman and his wife from Texas, and I thought they'd be Republicans, but they were Democrats. So it was kind of an interesting four, maybe four and a half hour talk on the on the beach. But he loved Dr. Fauci. They're both four shots in, think it's the best thing since sliced bread, these shots, and um, can't stand um, their governor, can't stand DeSantis, don't know what's wrong with people, why isn't everyone lining up? And it was just interesting on almost all the big topics, he was aligned with that side. And what I, uh, with the side that really, you know, totally different, you don't want to call, I don't want to call it left and right or Democrat, Republican, but to the silo of information. And we, we've we lost the fact that the, the media is totally sponsored and compromised. There's totally sponsored by Big Pharma. It used to be that the media held Big Pharma and government accountable. Now they're just a, an arm of these two uh, bodies. And that's a, one of the biggest issues because you talked about the divide and how they're, you know, they're trying to shame and blame people who don't take an experimental product. And that's driven through the media. And that's a classic war strategy. If you look beyond the government to other controlling influences, control, conquer within, it's a classic military strategy that they've been using. Um, So yeah, you can understand, I just want making a a short point longer, is why people think uh, Fauci's a good guy. Even my sister thinks he's a great guy. Can't believe it. Um, Man, Tish, listen, listen, Tish, with all due respect, I I worked under an NIAID grant for 10 years. You know, you can't label a man, uh, a person, as all good or all bad. Dr. Fauci has done good things, but he's also done very bad things as well. And and, and I I mean, that's it. I agree. And and the problem is, is that people want an either or. And if you want to isolate to COVID, let's just talk about COVID. Let's not talk about what Dr. Fauci did prior to COVID. Let's talk about what Dr. Fauci did during COVID. It is immoral. It was dead wrong. And it was irresponsible. His behaviors, in my opinion, led to unnecessary, unnecessary death and suffering of millions or billions globally. And, 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 and so if we isolate Dr. Fauci's performance to simply just COVID, um, I'm sorry. Uh, in my opinion, it is close to criminal. If it, uh, it probably yeah. is criminal, to be honest with you. Uh, I have to wait for evidence to come in. I don't want to be a judge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. I do believe it's criminal. Even the withholding of safe treatments, we both know about ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and the, the fake study on The Lancet, the most prestigious journal in the world, was compromised and bribed. And it was a fake study that they retracted just what? to you know, damage was done. Uh, here in Canada, the, the uh, founder and president of a hydroxychloroquine uh, comp, you know, pill, generic pill, he was murdered, uh, Apotex. Yeah. So, you know, there's that element. 
But moving on, I mean, people would be interested with your deep knowledge in uh, lab training people in these um, hazardous labs, you know, bio labs. Um, can you comment at all? I'm not sure if you can, but on the um, the issue around why are they even funding research into, you know, upscaling already dangerous pathogens? Well, where, where was it? Was it in Boston where there was this pathogen that they were funding research on that was like 90% lethal? Why are they doing that? What's your opinion on all of this, including the Wuhan labs? Um, why is this even happening, this research, Sean? What a what a great question. So before all of this, and, and we got to go all the way back, we got to go kind of back to, let's go back to about the 2000, 2004, 2005 time period. Um, the way public health responded to uh, to pandemics or epidemics, these are novel viruses that cause a lot of people to get sick and die, and we don't have solutions for them. Um, we would take existing uh, what we would consider an existing diseases, diseases that naturally came from the world. And we put them in an environment and we do research on them. Now, there's four levels of containment. There's BSL-1, BSL-2, BSL-3, BSL-4. Um, BSL-4 typically is where we want maximum containment for both the general public and for the scientists. Meaning, if we ever trip on something that's new, that comes from other nature that's new, um, we don't have a solution for it, we're unaware of it, uh, we work with it at BSL-4 because it offers maximum containment to both the environment and to the um, the scientists. Now, in Canada, since I believe that's that's uh, where where you are, Tish, uh, you have an unbelievable facility in Winnipeg. I've been there multiple times. I know the facility very well. Uh, you have great staff there, great scientists there. Uh, you have a a very strong and well built uh, and safe facility. Here's well, the issue. just okay. I have to interject because there is, you may not be aware there's a political issue around the biolab in Winnipeg um, and, and the former leader of the Conservative Party came forward even with evidence that there was um, there was a number of uh, scientists from Communist China, Party in China um, that were well, not allowed that, to that, be there. Yeah. So there's some real sensitive, um, you know, national security issues around that lab. I just mean it because my Canadian yeah. listeners will be up yeah. in arms when you say that. Um, well, yeah. I, I, <laughs> and, and I, look, I have to, I have to tell you that when, when I speak of the Winnipeg facility, uh, the last time I have been to the Winnipeg facility, gosh, it's got to go back to 2009, 2010. Um, I have not been there uh, 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 in a long time, and I can't speak to the operations. I, right. All I know is, is that that lab, that lab when it was built, and Same. the staff that built it, uh, uh, it, 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 it's built in a very good way, and the practices have always been what I would consider sound, unlike what right. I see in China. Now, something changed, Tish, and this is where that gain-of-function research comes in. Let me try and explain a little bit. In the past, when we were trying to prepare for pandemics, um, we would focus on what we knew, focus on what we had. Um, then it became somewhere along the lines, there's an idea. Let's go out and find sick animals. And then what we're gonna do with those sick animals is we're gonna bring them into a lab, we're gonna try and grow what made them sick on human cells, whether it be virus or bacteria. Um, meaning what we're doing now in contrast, instead of waiting for Mother Nature to come to us, what we're doing is we're knocking on Mother Nature's door and we're saying, hey, you got anything in there for us? We're, we're literally actively searching for the next pandemic. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It is scary, though. Let me explain why it's scary. 
it's scary because what if you find something that does grow on human tissue? Okay, so you know, what, now listen to me. This is very important. There's no gain-of-function research here, Tish. This is basically, rather than waiting for Mother Nature to throw something at us, we're going out into the environment, looking at sick animals, and we're seeing if those diseases that are killing animals could potentially kill humans. There's, in my opinion, that's kind of very proactive approach to science, okay? I don't have a problem with that, but here's where I have a problem. If you take a virus and you start genetically modifying it, that's where we have an issue. That's gain of function. So what I mean by that is if you take a virus and what you do in the lab either causes it to become uh, easily transmissible, a sustained transmission within human population, it alters the host, meaning it was once something that lived in a bat but now can live in a human being. If you begin to do research with a a virus and you genetically modify it to become stronger, to, to become resistant to antibiotics. To, to, if you do anything like that, now we're walking on what we call gain of function or what we call dual use research issues of concern that, in my opinion, is completely out of control. And here's the weirdest part, Tish. This is the, weird, the hardest part to understand because I know your listeners in Canada will hear this. I know many in the United States will hear this. We have controls in place in the United States and in Canada for this type of research. We do not globally, though. We don't globally. And so there are, and, and, and that, that's where Dr. Fauci, in my opinion, made a mistake. There was a pause on this type of research. And rather than complying with that pause, he basically exported it. Wow. He allowed the research to continue in international places. And, and, and I'm reading up on that. I'm still getting pr- through that, but he could not do that research in U.S. labs. So the research had to be done outside of the United States. Now Wuhan. you send it to places like Canada. Mm. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, Wuhan, I'm saying. If you send it to places like, yeah, if you send it to places like Canada, um, I'm very, very, I don't know about who's working there and I don't know the Chinese officials or whatever, but I am, I am convinced that Canada could and has and does work with very dangerous pathogens in a very safe way that does not put their community at risk. I mean, they have a good track record. It's, it's, it, it, that's true. Same goes with the United States. But China, China has a history of selling laboratory animals used for research in wet markets. And when all the data of this pandemic, all of the data points to a wet market in China, and you've seen those wet markets and you know there's monkeys there. It's not seafood, it's monkeys. And you see it, and China has a history of using laboratory animals for food in these wet markets. And you're looking at, there had to have been some type of event where there was a mass exposure in a very short period of time to jumpstart this pandemic. I mean, people's theories of, well, this came from a lab with one or two people getting sick or what, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's a virus that was was human made in a lab that was spread zoonotically, meaning it went into the wet markets through animals, it made other animals sick, it made humans sick at large numbers, and it, it, it literally jump-started. And, and the reason why I'm more convinced that as a behavioral psychologist is just recently, Dr. Fauci was on a show, and he said, well, the evidence is that it transmitted zoonotically. Listen to me. Whenever someone says it has to be either or, that's the start of a fa- fallacious argument. That's fallacy. It's both. It was a genetically modified human-made virus that went viral zoonotically, meaning it entered the human, or the animal population, and from animals, it went into humans at large quantities in a very short period of time. 
So okay. thousands and thousands of lab animals. Right. I mean, it, I mean, it's it's fascinating. A couple of points, and it, it is good. I mean, I I I've 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 explored a few other different theories from what you say with other scientists. So. You know, we're not sure. I mean, has the virus itself ever been identified? Um, I've heard it has not, which is something interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, some people say it's it's very uh, suspicious that at the same time they were launching 5G in Wuhan. Um, and there are a number, a growing number of scientists, I, I have to say this, that really um, reject the virus theory and instead say they've been spraying through the chemtrails and they activated the 5G um, and literally it's radiation poisoning that's happening. They're boiling people's blood with all of the, co the components that are in these chemtrails. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's just good to keep our minds open since we're, you know, as you say, you know, you ignorance is bliss before, but now that we're awake, it's good to, you know, you, when you, I try to have a disciplined mind. So I take in a lot of information through all these podcasts and I'm reading prolifically and you don't know. So you just hold it as a possibility. Um, but I wanted to just, since we're talking about the labs, and that was really interesting what you said um, about the safety and I'm um, and the fact that we have, you know, strong safety measures in place in North America. Thank you. That's that's comforting. Um, what do you think about the the um, the bio lab uh, in Ukraine? Now, of course, some people say it's not true. Do you, do you have any evidence that there were bio labs or are bio labs there? Um, and if so, can you comment on that? Because it's one of the reasons many people within this freedom health movement are opposed to the war because they're um, there from their perspective, they're seeing through a lot of data and science and videos that the Russians are going in and shutting down these dangerous uh, biolabs funded by, you know, who knows? We can't say specifically, but it seems to be. Well, we know. We know who they're funded by. <laughs> we know yeah. who they're funded by. Yeah, I didn't want to say. I was going to let you say. <laughs> so, so this is where the spin doctor comes in. And um, and it's and it's a hard pill for even me to swallow. OK. And, and so this is, you know, um, I once had dinner with an Iranian scientist. We were in. Um, um, the UAE. And he asked me a question. Uh, gosh, this was back in maybe 2006, 2007. I can't, I can't remember the exact date, but forgive me. And it's ironic. I'll never forget it because he had a New York Jets uh, <laughs> a shirt on. So, he's, you know, and he's an Iranian scientist. And he asked me a question. He, he he was clearly clearly didn't like the United States. You could tell this. He had a kind of a chip on his shoulder, and he clearly didn't like um, Western influence. Um, but he said, Sean, uh, you seem very sincere, very nice, very honest. Let, let me ask you a question. So, okay, he says, do you do you honestly believe the United States is not doing offensive biological research? And um, and my answer to him was, yeah, I honestly believe that. I've been to government labs. I've been to labs around the world. I've, I've seen it. In my honest opinion, I do not believe that the United States is creating offensive biological research. He says, well, let me ask you a question. He says, you you know football, right? I said, well, are we talking soccer? Are we talking American football? He said, American football. He says, let me ask you a couple questions. I said, okay. He says, let's say that you get a job as a defensive coach for that team. You're going to be the defensive coordinator. I said, okay. He says, defense, right? Okay. He says, tell me what you would need to do that job well. And he says, and start from the beginning. I said, well, I said, obviously, I think I would need a stadium. And he goes, let's call that a lab. I said, okay. He said, he goes, I go, well, I guess I, I would need coaches. And he said, yeah, let's, let's say that those are the scientists. 
okay, or, or those are the directors. And I said, I would obviously need players. And he said, yeah, those are the scientists. And he said, I go plays. You know, you need plans, plays. He goes, yep, those are the standard operating procedures and what we go by. He says, but what else would you need to have the best defense? And so I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And he finally helps me a little bit. He says, would you need to practice? And I said, yeah, yeah, I guess I would. I would need to practice. He goes, yeah, but here's the deal. Would you practice against a bunch of school kids? Or would you want to practice against the best offense you've got? And I said, well, obviously the best offense. He goes, Sean, he goes, do you think that the United States doesn't challenge its biodefensive positions with new things, offensive things that could beat it? He goes, and do you think the United States isn't capable of taking those offensive challenges and flipping the script and mass producing them and using them as biological weapons? He goes, what is clouded as a biodefense program could, in essence, be very quickly switched to a, an offensive program. And Tish, this is my closing point on this. I have no clue why we're genetically modifying viruses that are novel and could cause a pandemic the way COVID-19 did. I, I, that doesn't seem to be a defensive posture. It doesn't seem to be a, a posture that yields uh, scientific um, benefit um, when we look at risk as well. Um, it just doesn't. And, and, and it hurts my heart to say that uh, because I want to believe that we do science for, for improving humanity. That's the spirit in which scientists commit themselves to. I am wondering if those who are committed to bettering humanity have been fooled, um, have been tricked, have been misled. Um, and that, that's, in essence, what breaks my heart. Because I look at it and I, I just go, I don't know why we're genetically modifying a disease um, like SARS coronavirus 2. It, it doesn't make any sense. It really right. doesn't. No, I agree. And I have a little homework for you because um, I've been speaking at a lot of groups on how we can detoxify because it's not just the drugs. There's a lot of toxins in the air, soil, water, et cetera now. Um, and, 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 you know, FDA has, uh, I agree, 100% has let us down. They're putting through not just uh, things like these uh, injections, um, but drugs and food with all these additives and chemicals that are wreaking havoc on people. Um, and, you know, reckless is the right word. Now, another reckless thing I'd love you to look into, because this is right up your alley, is I've heard stories. Uh, luckily, it didn't happen to me recently when I was traveling, but people who've traveled on Air, uh, Air Canada and other airlines have landed in places like the States even and Bermuda. And before they could exit the plane, they were sprayed with these toxic pesticides. Um, now, um, someone who's an insider whistleblower uh, came forward and he took pictures of the cans and it's literally highly toxic, uh, poisonous, um, like sprays and toxic pesticides. I don't know if it's, it's not like Roundup, but it's a spray. And on the container says, uh, danger, do not use within a confined space. And yet they're spraying it on people. Now, because I've heard it from three or four different uh, groups who seem sincere, I think it's true. I'd love you to look into that if you could, um, or I'll leave it with you anyways, because that's right up your alley in terms of safer behaviors. That's uh, again, an incredibly unsafe behavior that could be poisoning people. Um, who knows what else is going on, but we are truly living in an upside down time with, um, you know, uh, incredible deception and lies and discernment is critical. And I do comment to people who are listening that 
stepping into courage is critical at this time because um, that this could persist for many, many years and cause much more harm than than um, than than if we were getting a majority of people to rise up and say no more and reclaim our health sovereignty, at least is that's one thing that we've been speaking about. So really, you, there's no place to hide in my view. It's a global takedown. It's a global thing. As you said, um, regionally and, and, and within countries, there are some, some good things going on with safety. But globally, uh, when you put your, your health and your sovereignty in the hands of these corrupt global organizations, it doesn't end well. Any final thoughts to end the day? It's been a, it's been really fascinating talking to you. Um, I hope I covered everything. Is there anything you wanted to mention as we close? I just, you know, Tish, I, I just want to invite people to, again, I want to empower them to uh, seek information out for themselves. I, I, you know, when we when we look at a decision that needs to be made, we have to look at both sides. Uh, certainly, if it has to do with our lives. Uh, you you take a look at what both sides are saying, and you listen to which appeals to you, what stands out the most to you, and you make what we call an informed decision. To blindly follow social media, uh, the mainstream media, a friend, an actor, a politician, to blindly follow those individuals when making critical decisions about your life or the life of your family. Um, I just would like to empower people to become informed and in control of their bodies and their lives and, uh, and their decisions, uh, to not just be someone who follows, but someone who actually you know, takes control and becomes informed and, uh, and makes a healthy decision, the best decision for themselves and their families. So. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and um, we'd probably love to have you on again in a few months, see what, uh, what, what you've been able to accomplish to, uh, to change things for the better. I'm sure you will. Thanks. Let's have a debate, Tish. I want somebody who thinks that this injection is a great thing. Let's let's publicly discuss it. That would be okay. outstanding. Oh, that's great. I, I could I could bring a lot of people on. Okay. Thanks so much. <laughs> bye bye.